Okay, so we want to bring on a very special guest here. We have him on the phone. This is our resident Giants insider. We call him Alex the Greek. Let's welcome on now Alex Kalivas. Alex, welcome to From the Hill. Nicholas, hello. Alexander, hello. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate it. What are you doing on this rainy Saturday morning? You know, uh, not much. Just hopped off Fortnite. Uh, figured I'd give you guys a call. I appreciate you guys having me on as well. You're a pretty big Fortniter. Oh yeah, big time. How many hours a day do you do you get into Fortnite? Oh, man, uh, try, try to keep it a, a minimum of three, man. You got it. You got to make sure you're unlocking all the skins there, bud. Are you playing? Are you playing like through the night? Oh yeah. So Fortnite is. I'm. I'm not super familiar with it. I've seen it played once or twice, and it looks like this imaginary world where you basically just build houses upon houses, <laughs> and you sh- yes, do. You, it's an imaginary hunt program. And you shoot other people in the process of so, building a house. Battle royale game. There's a hundred other people on the map, and uh, you want to kill them all and uh, claim dominance. And I understand that there there are skins that you can buy, so you can basically be in disguise. Yes, you can look cooler. Um, you know, people pay twenty five dollars on some skins and gain no competitive advantage. Uh, it's I, like real life. You just want to look as cool as possible. <laughs> Everything's kind of uh, a front. Okay. Yes. All right. But I'm so we're in shape in the game. I promise you. All right, all right. I, I'm ne- I'm never gonna play Fortnite. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I just find it really interesting that like, there's there's a lot of like reports coming out, especially in the college ranks, that these these athletes are staying up till all hours of the night playing Fortnite, and coaches are really not happy with Fortnite. Have you heard yeah, that? I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, one of the, one of the one of the big guys that plays, uh, you know, stars at the NFL, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, he plays all the time. Uh, and I'm not quite sure which fantasy team I'd rather have him on, my fantasy Fortnite team or why is he? He's good. He's good. Football team. He's good at Fortnite. Uh, he, he's pretty good. Yeah. Who? So is he? Is he like the biggest athlete? That's that's a Fortnite star. Uh, you know, it's 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 a lot of them. I mean, um, Will Myers uh, was actually <laughs> playing during a game. Where he was injured, and that was actually pretty big news recently. Will Will Myers? He's uh, he didn't he didn't pan out the way I thought he would. No, no, it's uh, Ben Simmons. Is, ben Simmons but is they, big on the video game. Ben Simmons, Carl Anthony Towns, um, they they play it. Interesting. Um, yeah, so there, there's a lot of guys. I mean, listen, you know, Fortnite is uh, uniting the country and the world. I, I hear you. Not not myself, but I do get it. Um, I've just been hearing a lot about it. Figured I'd ask the questions uh, since you are the man with the answers. Uh, the other thing that people don't know about you is that you're also my Netflix connect. So hopefully, um, hopefully the authorities do not listen to From the Hill. But you are my Netflix connect. Are you into Ozark? Uh, yes, I. Uh... You know, I had to put down Fortnite for a little bit and uh, watch that in its entirety. So you're through season two. I'm not through season I two yet. I'm two. I'm on episode three. Season two. I went back and watched the the whole first season because these things like now they come out with, they come out with these seasons in bulk, and 
you watch the season so quickly that it's like another year goes by until you get to the second season. So I went back to kind of refresh myself. And there was a lot of things that I'd forgotten about that happened that I needed a refresher course. Did you just jump right in? You know, I just, I just jumped right in, um, you know, but that's, you know, rewatching it before season comes out. That's one of the beautiful parts of Netflix. It, tru- you, it you truly really is get back into the show and you're not missing things where, you know, in the past or, you know, regular television programming, you really don't have that opportunity outside of streaming. I mean, it's, it's all kind of different now, even with HBO that you kind of have access to everything. If you have HBO, cause you get HBO go, so you can go back and watch anything that they ever put on. So I think like everything's kind of moving to that online library now, right? Yes. It's weird though. It's, it's weird because you watch the first three minutes of every episode in like extreme low def and then gradually it becomes crystal clear. <laughs> So that's yeah, like we'll we'll like be you're watching it on Nintendo sixty four. Yeah, we'll we'll be watching we'll be watching Ozark for three minutes, and I like I'll walk into the room and and I'll be like, "Did you start this without me?" And Amanda's like, "It's not even clear yet. It's not even cleared up yet." So I just started. So you, that's how you know it's you just started it because it looks like you're on a standard def seventeen inch television, but. Um, where does where does Ozark rank for you? Like, is it is it in your tops, or is it getting uh, in, into your tops? Listen, it was a it, it's a good show. Um, you know, I I can't really spoil much of the second season. No, I don't spoil but it. Does it. leave questions of the direction of where it can go from here. Um, so, but I, I think it's a great show. So I I can't put it in my top top five. Yeah, but it's heading that way, isn't it? It's yeah, it's definitely up there. I mean, you know, the, the void left from from Breaking Bad and Walking Dead turning to trash, steaming trash pile. Um, you know, Ozark's definitely heading towards the top five. Yeah, that's one I ne- that's one I never really got into. I I still haven't started Walking Dead, and from what I heard, I shouldn't. You know, it, it it's a phenomenal show, uh, but the past two or maybe even three seasons have just been garbage so if you watch it for the first few you're you're going to get the reward of a great show and then the punishment for having spent all that time which currently going on not a good investment <laughs> no. No. yeah i mean ozark's heading up to, toward the top but i think it's definitely still too early on but bateman does a he does a good job man he i he i think he, he he directs all of them right you, you know what i did not know that that's I think he directs all of them. I think he's like a producer of some sort too. So he do, he does a nice job with it. He's he's pretty cool. I know that he kind of does the he kind of does the same character in a lot of roles, but I don't know. It, with some people that bothers me. With him, it really doesn't. Because I, I think it's for him. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I'm saying for for him, I think it's, it's it's refreshing to see him get into that grittier role. You know, whenever you see an actor like, you know, let's take Matthew McConaughey, for, for example. You know, he was all about the rom-coms, and now all of a sudden Matthew McConaughey is, is hardcore now. Yeah, what's, uh, what's that? There's a new one coming out with him, White Boy Rick. I want to see that. Looks pretty cool. Yeah, looks good. But So what is your – all right, real quick. We're, we're going we're gonna to get off of the TV and movies and stuff like that. But what is your – do you have a top five? Yeah, def- definitely a top five. Now you're talking all time. Yeah, top five. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I'm hesitant to put Game of Thrones at number one just because it hasn't finished. Um, but I'm going to put it there anyway. Uh, Game of Thrones, uh, number two would be Sopranos. Number three would be Breaking Bad. Uh, number four, um, number four is going to be a tough call, but I, I would say Oz, which is an older HBO show. Yeah, I never got um, to that one either. Number five would be The Wire. Okay. All right. So I think a lot of people have some variation of at least those four that you put in. Oz is kind of a, a random card for a lot of people. Um, I, I go back and forth with Sopranos and, and Breaking Bad. It's like 1A and 1B for me. The Wire... The it's Wire... Not a bad 1A, 1B. The Wire was awesome. And I say, I've said this before on the pod, but it's one of those, it's one of those ones where it, it got so hyped up so I, 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 with everything, and this is with Sopranos, with Breaking Bad, with everything, I kind of wait till the, the hype, it's, it's so hyped up that it's like too pumped up. So I did that a lot with The Wire. So people told me for years how great The Wire was, how great The Wire was. So they, there's this big buildup. And then it was kind of a letdown for me because I, I was kind of expecting a little more. I know that it's a great show and I feel, I feel weird saying it. But it, and it it would still be in the top five because it was really good. But it was just one of those shows that was overhyped for me. I I can see where you I can see where you say that. And and the first time watching through the wire, uh, easy to have that experience because season two uh, is such a departure from the storyline. Yes. From season one. Yes. So then you're jumping back into season three and you're back in that storyline. But what you don't realize is or appreciate in season two is the importance of it, of setting up different intricacies of the rest of the series. Now, maybe that could have, be, could have been done without an entire second season. But the season two. Uh, That's the docs, right? Paramount for the rest of the season. Season two is the docs. Yes. With uh, what's Sabaka? Yeah. So that's a super polarizing season because that was, I was like really down on that season. I didn't like it. So, but I've heard other people say, oh my God, that's my favorite season. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm in, I'm in your club. I'm in your club where I did not like it. And then, you know, when you watch The Wire a second time, if you do, you know, take that opportunity, um, you'll, you'll see that, uh, you know, it actually ends up, okay, yeah, no, this is actually pretty good. And I see how it ties into everything else. Because I think when you watch it the first time, it doesn't make too much sense to everybody, to how it's pertaining to the other characters involved in the show. Right. No, I, I hear you. And that's, it's actually one that I, I've, I've wanted to go back and, and like, rewatch. Because it's one, it's one of those ones where you'll go back and pick up so many different things that you didn't see the first time. Definitely. I, I think the show in general. The all right. This is the, this is the last thing we're going to talk about TV wise. But the Mayans, are you in or are you out? No, I'm I'm in. Have you started? Oh, I'm sorry. I started what? Yeah, I think you cut out there. Did it Did it start yet? Did what start? The Mayans. Oh no, but I am. But I am in. I am in. I am going to watch it. I think it has started. There's one episode, maybe two. Yeah. Um, but the way FX is doing things right now, I, it's weird. You gotta, 
there's three different X X's and I just haven't done the homework to which FX it's actually on FXX or FX plus or uh, they're growing for the heck. Yeah. They, just make one channel, put all the good shows on there and be done with it. Yeah. I, I've heard good things from the first episode, so I'm probably going to check it out. Uh, but I'll probably wait until like the end of this season because I like to watch things in bulk and that's, I usually wait for the, the reviews, good or bad. And if people say, yeah, it's worth the watch, I'll jump in on it. But um, all right, let's get let's get on to to some football topics here. Uh, first let's game, go. first game of the season played Thursday night. People people don't know that you are not an Eagles fan. You're actually a huge Eagles hater, despite liking the rest of Philadelphia sports teams. You are a Giants fan. Can you get into that a little bit and tell us why? So you know, I, I was just raised on the Giants. My dad every Sunday it was the Giants and. You know, living in the area, it was uh, you know it was tough. Everybody's a big time Eagles fan. As a kid, you don't understand, but you love your team, and you can't see why everybody else doesn't love them. But you know, as you grow up, you you understand. Um, listen, the the Giants for me, uh, it's the way they play football. Now, let's cut out the McAdoo years from the history because you've never seen a bigger person say, "Hey, McAdoo sucks." He shouldn't be here from the time he even was hired. Um, but the Giants play tough, hard-nosed football, and they seem to win that game that, that nobody else can kind of win. And part of my hatred is for the Eagles um, is they kind of get those kind of wins too, and they happen to be against us. So you're, Wait, so you're saying the Giants, are you talking last year? What, what do we? I'm, talk, I'm talking. I'm talking in general throughout the history of the team. Oh, okay. So if you remove the Especially McAdoo years, through with the Giants, I, I, the I, football Giants. I kind of see. I kind of get what you're saying. They they were more built on their defense in years past. When you're looking back at the history, but um, I wanted to to touch on. So you did watch the game on Thursday. Yes, I did. What are your painful what, as it was? What? Yeah, exactly. What are your takeaways from from what you saw Thursday? Let's start there. Uh, so, so a few things. One, uh, Matt Ryan is about as exciting as an envelope. Um, two, uh, running the Philly special again. How many times is that going to work? If that's what saves you guys in the game and energizes the team. Um, there's going to be some problems coming down the road. Now, I know Wentz is coming back, but let's just table that for now because he does not have an official time frame, um, which is concerning. Um, but just overall bad football from both the teams. Now, if the Falcons were way more concerning. Um, I think the Eagles did a great job. I mean, and anybody will tell you that. They did a great job uh, in the red zone phenomenal job in the red zone. I think part of that was Steve Sarkeesian's play calling, which was abhorrent at best. Um, but, you know, the Eagles got the win, and they got a win with this backup quarterback. Like, every – I think, the you know, every win is important, but I think it's that much more important for the Eagles that they win with Nick Foles in there as many as possible. Well, and I that's – I just don't see how much more many more can come with the display that we've seen uh, Thursday night. Well, here's here's where it gets here's where it gets good, okay? Here's why we can afford to have Carson out because we won this game. This was a huge game in that decision-making process because when you lose this game, you start yourself in a hole. 
the fact that we won this game now, it gives Carson a few more weeks, I think. So we can let him sit for a couple, I think, until we play the Vikings on, on October 7th. So, and let me tell you why. Next week, first we have a long, we have 10, 10 days between games here. We play the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are pretty much a dumpster fire. They don't have Jameis Winston that week. Um, that's, that's another win. It, I mean, Nick Foles is plenty capable of winning that game, especially with our defense and the way it played. I was super impressed by our defense on Thursday night, not just the red zone. I think like throughout the game, they, they kind of set the tone. Um, and and you, you could tell from the Falcons' offensive side that they just could not generate anything. Um, uh, I don't know about that, Nick. They, listen, they, they – Got into the red zone. I get it. That anybody can move the ball, and Collinsworth talked about this. Anybody can kind of move the ball between, you know, in the middle of the field. It's it's once you get to that that red zone that they weren't able to do anything. And I saw a stat today that said I think for the last uh, twenty attempts in the red zone, I think Julio and Matt Ryan have completed one pass. And that makes sense. That makes sense if you see the play calling that is that has been done in that in that particular area. When you're just targeting one guy, there's you're lining him up on the outside, put him in the middle, put him in the slot, let him run. Well a couple times he wasn't even in the game. They're throwing fifty fifty balls. Because guess what happens with fifty fifty balls? It's a fifty it, you got a fifty fifty chance of completing the pass and scoring the touchdown. Is that is that what happens on fifty fifty? <laughs> that's, you know what I mean? Well, it sounds it sounds stupid, but I mean that's the reality of of the matter. Listen, there were there were plays on on goal line where Julio Jones wasn't even in the game. Uh, you know, and I can't even. He's got to be a decoy at a minimum, right? And have him do something. You know, whether yeah. it's you know running a you know a quick in and out or just having him on the field pulls away two guys. You know, do something with Julio Jones on every play. Yeah, I mean, he could stand there, and it, it would take two guys, you know, out of the play. So I think, I think their run. I think when they ran the ball. So let's take the first, the first goal line series because they came right down the field. They look like you know the Eagles look like they were in for a rough day. Now they come out. With, with what is that that called eleven personnel, which is when they have the two tight ends. It's just a big package, and there's no threat for the pass there. I think if you got three wide receivers and running back in the backfield, okay, and you run an ISO there, I think at least twice. You know the defense kind of has to think pass, and you know I, I think you score a touchdown on on, on that on that drive. Yeah, part of my notes I do have here on that goal line stand was Ryan doesn't throw the ball in, I think it was the last two plays. I think they had a pass attempt on, I don't know if it was second down, but it went incomplete, and then they completely just abandoned even the threat of a pass. Um, and my second note under that same one is Julio not even in the game. So he he's not even on the field, which we just talked about, which is ridiculous. Um, so... 
but let me let me just jump again back to my point why we can afford to have Nick Foles in the next few weeks. Uh, it's the schedule. The schedule it's shaping up really nicely for for the Eagles right now, especially if they continue to win. Um, because again, we're we're not digging ourselves a hole. If we if we win it at uh, the Buccaneers next week, then we move on to the Colts, which is another mess of a football team. Their defense is awful. We don't know what Andrew Luck is yet. Uh, and, and honestly, at this point, uh, are you worried about anybody else on their offense beside Andrew Luck? I mean, you have a uh, – what else? Do, do you see the, the Colts having anything this season? I, you know, I don't, see, I don't see much of a reason to worry about Andrew Luck until Andrew Luck successfully plays in a football game. I mean, I, you know, throw preseason out the window. I want to see him hold up through an entire four quarters. That's that's what I want to see. You know, they got rid of Henry Anderson, one of the young DNs in the offseason, which was a totally puzzling move. I can't tell them why. Um, so, no, there's there's nothing to fear from the Colts. Um, Andrew Luck's going to keep them from going 0-16, but I do not see them winning more than four games, maybe. I mean, on the offensive side of the schedule, ball... Beside him, they, I, I, from what I've read, nobody trusts the running game whatsoever. Uh, what do they have on the outsides? Is T.Y.? They have T.Y. Hilton. Now, Chester Rogers, uh, I believe he's a second or third year guy, if I'm not mistaken. So there's always possibility for that breakout wide receiver that, that comes out of nowhere. Um, but, you know, Andrew Luck and two wide receivers with, you know, a switch cheese defense, right? I just, I, I, I don't, I don't see how it happens. So now, that's that's another one. Frank Wright, Frank Wright could be coach of the year. You know, you know, he could be in that Doug Peterson mold, but still, that doesn't get them. You know, the Eagles' first season, they weren't, you know, a playoff team. So under under Peterson, correct? Yeah, that's true. So, you know, there's there's some growing there. I don't care anything closer. But I'm just looking, you know. From a distant perspective, they don't seem to be a threat. It looks to be something that Nick Foles could go in and win. It doesn't seem like a game where you have to rush Carson back again. That's kind of my only point here. Um, from there, you move on to the Titans, which the Titans uh, made a jump last year. I actually think Mariota has a breakout year this year. What do you think about the Titans? I think the Titans are vastly improved. I think Deion Lewis is one of the most underrated backs um, in in the NFL uh, just because of his pass catching abilities and just the amount of wiggle that guy has. Um, Corey Davis needs to make a jump for them for them to be successful, I think. And, you know, Mariota I mean Mariota can be mediocre if Corey Davis makes the jump because I think they have the offensive weapons um, but if they both if they both make the jump at the same time, they're a pretty pretty good combination there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Listen, I, I think, I, and, and to your point, I, I think you, you know you're 100 percent spot on. Like, you know, you can afford to keep Foles in there, but I think once they lose a game, if they you know, for instance, lose to the Titans, I think you're going to start hearing that Wentz is ready. Um, you know, if somehow right um, by that now, point, by that point we're at week five. By, by that point think, we're we're by that point we're at week five, and we're past the point where you know he should he should be back by then. 
And, you know, I definitely, I, I mentioned this last week when we did, did a quick pod that it, it's different, like getting some wear and tear on your knee playing football. And I think it's a, it's a lot different than just going through a, a, an extensive rehab where you're doing hardcore rehab. You're not, you're not doing football type stuff where you can put some actual wear and tear on your knee that. And then there's the mental aspect of it where you need to be able to trust that. So Carson needs to be able to, to know that he can go out there and play hundred percent. And until we get a few weeks into the season, that's why I've been a proponent for keeping him out as long as you can. I know people hate that because they, they want to say, oh, well, the doctor's clear him, the doctor's clear him. Well, that's not all that goes into it. There's a mental aspect from the player's standpoint. No, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. Uh, you know, that, that having that confidence uh, to be able to make the moves you need on, on, that, on that knee uh, is going to save him from further injur- injury. If he's, if he's scared and, you know, skittish or you know, afraid to, to move, then, um, you know, he, he does have the uh, opportunity to further injure that knee, which would be uh, devastating for his career. Definitely. So just just with the first four games that we're talking about here, obviously the Falcons, we got through that that hurdle. Now we have games that are – there should – they should win these games. Buccaneers, Colts, they should beat the Titans. The Titans are a good team. I understand that. But even if you lose that game – then you're looking at the Viking ne- next the following week, and that's a that's a week where you start thinking about getting Carson in. I, I think that's the week. I uh, mean, that's, th- that's yeah, I mean you want him there, you want him there, but you know again, do you if you're not a hundred percent sure on his health, want to throw him in against that defense, especially you know if you got a game to give, you won all prior games, you know I would. I'm just saying it gives him another month. It gives him a month of of workouts. It gives him a month of football. It gives him an extra month to put some wear and tear on that knee where he's confident enough and comfortable enough to go out there and play in a regular season football game. And, you know, Foles can take us so far. There's there's room for a loss in there, too. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to start four and oh. Even if that if if you take a loss to the Titans, I mean, is it the worst thing in the world? No, I, I mean I don't think so. You know, and it it all depends, you know, how the other top teams in the NFC start off. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, you have a third year franchise quarterback. You cannot sacrifice. I mean, he's the face. You know, he's the face of the franchise. So you cannot sacrifice him. You know, to win one game. You know, you're counting on him to win so many more, you know. Definitely. All right, well, that's a good jumping point here uh, to get into a little bit about the NFC East, and I wanted to get your take on the Giants since you do follow so closely. Obviously, the addition of Saquon Barkley is going to be massive. Uh, They paid Odell Beckham. Uh, So so everybody seems to be smiles up there um, in uh, New York, actually New Jersey, but – what what uh, what are what's the word coming out of Giants camp heading into the uh, the regular season here? So one of the one of the biggest uh, surprises out of Giants camp uh, right now, uh, outside of Saquon, and he hasn't really played. His is all you know, just previous performance. Uh, but but lineman uh, B J Hill, 
Um, they're expecting a lot of big things out of this rookie, especially as they transition into the uh, 3-4 defense, which I hate. Um, but either here nor there, they're expecting him to prove that he's not just a run stopper and be able to get penetration on the quarterback. And I think that is going to be huge for their defensive success. Listen, they got Janoris Jenkins. He had a down year last year. But I think, you know, either B.J. Hill or Lorenzo Carter can develop faster than what's anticipated. I think the Giants' defense can be uh, a playoff-caliber defense. I'm not going to call them uh, a Super Bowl-caliber defense, but I think they can get to, with the offensive weapons, get to the playoffs. I actually have them finishing second in the division, obviously, to the Eagles. Um and just looking at their schedule right now, I mean, tomorrow, off the bat, they start out with a pretty tough opponent. Um, they're, they're starting out with the Jaguars. And yeah. we, we, know, we know the defense of the Jaguars and what they can do, what they're capable of, obviously, um, get, getting to the Patriots in the, the AFC Championship last year. I don't know if they carry that over, but I do know that their defense is going to be tough. I'm really interested to see what the Giants' offense looks like against a top defense in the league. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see, too. And, you know, they upgraded the offensive line, but let's let's be honest here, Eric Flowers is still on the field. Um, you know, Nate, Nate Sauter was a consolation prize for not landing Norwell, who happened to land in Jacksonville. And against a great offensive line, that, that Jags D-line, it is a bunch of game wreckers. They're a bunch of game wreckers. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think the key for success uh, for the Giants is to move Odell Beckham around the formation a lot. Uh, I don't think sticking him outside the whole game. I think you need to move him around in the slot, you know, in different, you know, get really creative with him. I'm not saying run from Ramsey, but, you know, Confuse, confuse the defense a little bit. I wouldn't mind seeing him line up in the slot against Telvin Smith where he's going to have a clear clear advantage. All right, that's, that's some pretty good stuff there as far as the breakdown of where do you see them? Where do you see them falling in the NFC East? Are they contending this year or do you think they have a year to go? Where, where are you with things? Are they going to jump right from three and 13 back into the hunt this year? So, the Giants are probably the most polarizing team I can see in the NFL this year. I can see them being um, an offensive juggernaut, and I can see them, you know, winning only seven games. Um, you know, making the jump from from three wins up to up to ten, you know, which is typically the minimum for getting in the playoffs, um, is a lot. But this isn't you know, really normal circumstances. Um, I kind of liken it to when the Cowboys drafted Ezekiel Elliott, you know, what Elliott did for that team. So they were able to control time of possession um, and keep the defense off the field and fresh, which made their defense play up. Um, and, and therefore, you know, they, they ended up going 12-4. What are the you know, thoughts? What are the I don't thoughts? See that from the, Giants. the schedule's ridiculous this year, uh, and the NFC East is is really good. So it's it's 
tough. I see them as a 10 and 16, always hoping for more. Um, and maybe 10 and 6 is a little bit optimistic, but I think they have the ability to get there. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question as far as the weapons that they have, especially on offense, but what are the thoughts on how Shermer's going to jump in and kind of run things? Because that was that was the thing with McAdoo. I mean, the weapons were there. Uh, they have Now they have a running game. Um, what's the feeling on Shermer up there this early? So, you know, the biggest thing the players are, are saying comes from Shermer is the fact that He's an even-keeled kind of guy. He worries about the things he can control um, and not the things that he can't. Um, last year, the inmates were running the asylum, and I, I, I can tell you from everything that I've seen, he has control of that locker room, and they do believe in him. So I think he, he brings that to the. I think he brings that to the table. I think I think Ben McAdoo was just too too authoritative without having the track record. Like when Tom Coughlin was that hard-nosed coach and didn't put up with any BS, you're like, okay, well, you know, he's won two Super Bowls. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, and he walked but the, he under, walked under the under walk. Under Ben McAdoo, they're like, dude, you got you to gotta show us something or shut up. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So I, I think that was part of the problem. Definitely. I mean, I, they're they're definitely in a much better spot than they were last year. McAdoo was he talked the talk, but didn't didn't walk the walk. And I think Shermer's a guy that'll be able to jump in and at least get things under control. So, you know, have somebody on that team buy into what he's selling. So, last thing I'm gonna last thing I'm gonna ask you before I let you go here is Week One NFL. Who do you have in the Super Bowl this year? Who do you have as the the sleepers? You know, what's your what's your general outlook on the season um, this early on? Um, that's an excellent question. I, I really am, you know, always hesitant to make Super Bowl picks. I really think that the Saints were should have been in the championship game last year. Outside of that, you know, that freak play to Stephon Diggs, the Saints take that next step. Um, with their defense and their running game. And, you know, they do have weapons at wide receiver. They drafted Traquan Smith. That'll be an interesting piece um, to see what he can do and, and further progress that Saints offense. Uh, but their defense was ridiculous. And, and you got to understand, they're doing it with rookie Marshawn Lattimore. So another year in the league, I can see them not quite, you know, that defense not quite being on the level of the Jaguars, but kind of, you know, being a top five defense, I can see the Saints getting to. Um, so that's definitely would be my NFC Super Bowl pick. Okay. Um, my AFC Super Bowl pick, it's very hard to go against Tom Brady, um, but I'm going to say something crazy and go dark horse uh, Super Bowl pick. All right. Uh, and let's say the L.A. Chargers. Wow. Everybody's on the Chargers this year, man. I've heard a lot about the Chargers. Yeah, well, with Bosa, Bosa and Ingram now, definitely. I mean, they can get to the quarterback. There's no question. I, You know, I just Phillip Rivers has been in this conversation for so long now and never really gotten over the hump. I don't know what's going to change. Well, I think that – so over the past three or four years, their offensive line 
has been incredibly bad, and, and that hasn't been talked about, I guess, with the focus on other teams just having bad O-lines, um, being less successful. Um, they've upgraded their offensive line big time. They're getting back their rookie offensive lineman. Uh, well, he's not a rookie anymore. He's a rookie last year, Forrest Lamp, um, to, to upgrade there. I think Melvin Gordon uh, is a pretty underrated back. Um, and Austin Eckler is a phenomenal compliment to him. Uh, they have Keenan Allen. You know, Antonio Gates is, I know he's 100 years old, but seems to get it done in the red zone, which, as you can see from Thursday night, is extremely important. Um, and you do have a quarterback that is a seasoned NFL quarterback and, and knows what he's doing. Now, also, keep an eye on big Mike Williams. Second year in the league, he was hurt a lot last year. I mean, that could be the difference maker there. Those Clemson receivers, you trust them? <laughs> it's, it's very hard to, but he hasn't been smoking any weed. So, <laughs> you know, I think we're okay. All right, cool. Uh, I will I will put you on the spot here. Last, This is the last question, all right? Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who is your breakout fantasy player this year? We talk some fantasy on the pod. We're, we're going to be getting into it more and more throughout the season, kind of like calling out some guys that we think are going to have big weeks and stuff like that. So I wanted to, to ask you heading into week one, who's your, who's your breakout player this year? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I got to go with my heart, and I say Stefan Diggs is a top five NFL wide receiver and a top five fantasy wide receiver this year. Perfect. All right, thanks, man. Well, Listen, I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, I know you're you're an avid avid listener from the hill, <laughs> so we will be che- we'll be checking back in with you throughout the season. Um, but but really, just w- appreciate you coming on. Um, so we will talk to you a little bit down the road here and check in, see how the uh, the Giants are making out. Maybe we'll have you on for the f- the first uh, Eagles Giants game. I think that's what week is it week six or something like that. Week six. It's circled on my calendar. All right, we'll get you on the pod for that week, definitely. <laughs> Thanks so much, Alex. I, I appreciate look- it, man. Thanks for having me. And we will uh, we'll talk to you week six. All right, brother. See you then. All right, buddy.